0: Welcome, my true crime roadies. I'm your host, Angela Baum, along with my husband, Larry, and this is Trucking True Crime Podcast, a true crime show where we focus on true crime stories that happen within the trucking industry. But don't worry, you don't need to know anything about the trucking industry to listen and enjoy the show. You just need to be a fan of true crime. And if that's you, then welcome inside. As a reminder, if you'd like to learn more about our life over the road as team truck drivers, you can listen to our other podcast, Married to the Road, where we share our lives over the road and stories along the way with our three furry dogs. As a reminder, our podcast discusses true crimes and murders. This is not a show for the faint of heart, and this is not intended for young audiences. If you like your podcast ad-free, then head over to our Patreon, located at patreon.com slash Trekking True Crime Podcast, where for just a dollar a whole month, your episodes are ad-free. And if you need more episodes in your life, then for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode each month, all your episodes are ad-free, and you get a 10% discount on all of our Trekking True Crime Podcast merchandise. Plus, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all of our episodes ad-free. So please be sure to stop by our Patreon at patreon.com slash Trucking True Crime Podcast and sign up today. Welcome back, my Trucking True Crime roadies. I am your host, Angie. And I am Larry. And I'm glad to report that we are feeling much, much better this week. Hopefully, we won't be coughing and acting through the whole episode. It was crazy how bad we felt. Uh, but the good news is, I was able to work on this very well-known case that we're going to talk about today. That is about a serial killer who went by the CV handle of Dr. No. Dr. No. And it's well-known? And I'm going to know about it? I don't know that you'll well know, know about it, but... A lot of podcasts, a lot of documentaries. He was unknown for such a long time, and when they finally found who he was, it was like 15 years later, and it was only thanks to DNA technology they were able to figure out who the heck he was. Craziness. So, our story's gonna start in April 24th, 1981. Three young men were wandering in the woods just outside of Troy, Ohio. They were hoping that they could find a really good fishing hole to spend their day at. All three of them had the day off, the weather was perfect, and they just wanted a nice place to go fishing. When one of the young men noticed that a few feet ahead of him, there was a really weird sight in the woods. As he got closer, he saw what looked like a buckskin coat laying on the ground, which of course out in the wilderness seemed very weird to him. But as he pointed out this coat to his two friends, they all soon realized that inside the coat was actually a woman. She was laying on her right-hand side in the fetal position. Horrified and not believing what they had just witnessed, they immediately went and contacted the local police. Can you imagine if you were three young kids walking through the woods and you stumbled across a dead body? I actually stumbled across a dead body when I was a kid. Oh, that's right. Maybe we should uh, tell that story real quick. No, save that for another day. Okay, well now you got everybody interested. Tell you what, let's do that for one of our bonus episodes for our Patreon supporters. What happened to me when I came across a dead body? Yeah, we'll do and that as a bonus episode. Sounds good. So for those of you who are our Patreon supporters, you'll find out how Larry came across a dead body. And what I did to him. Oh God, I don't even know and I'm scared. Okay, so anyway, back to the story. When the police arrived on the scene, sadly they declared that the young woman was deceased and they immediately had her sent over to the coroner's office to try to find out exactly what had happened to her. While trying to discover who this young woman was, the coroner said that overall her body was in very good condition. She was clean all over, she had good hygiene and dental care, and from his exam he did not think that she was in the sex work industry. She became known as Jane Doe or Buckskin Girl. Uh, She became known as a Buckskin Girl because she was found in a Buckskin Poncho. Sadly she would remain unidentified for 38 years. Isn't that crazy? That's sad. During the autopsy they discovered that Buckskin Girl had been brutally raped and beaten and also strangled. The coroner said that she had suffered blunt force trauma to both her neck and her head before eventually being strangled to death. The coroner also suspected that she had died about 48 hours before the boys had discovered her body in the woods. She was found fully clothed, wearing wrangler jeans, a brown turtleneck, and also what appeared to be a handmade buckskin poncho. However, what was really weird was that she didn't have any socks or shoes on, Her feet were completely clean, so obviously she hadn't walked to her location. She didn't have any purse or ID on her and nothing that would help identify her. They were able to take DNA samples and dental records and fingerprints in hopes that they would soon be able to identify who she was, but we also got to remember when we're talking about this story that this was back in the 1980s when DNA still was just beginning to come out, so there was no DNA databases. So we got to kind of keep that in mind while we're talking about this story. So jumping to June 16th of 1985 is when our next victim is found. Her name is Marcia Matthews. She was only 25 years of old. Now Marcia Matthews was a mother to an adorable 8 year old little girl. I saw pictures of her daughter and Marcia together and I'm going to post those up on our Instagram highlights reel. They were so cute and she looked like she was a really good mom at one point. Sadly, um, doing the research I did find out that she was a very well known prostitute in the Ohio area who liked to frequent the truck stops and she also was dealing with a really bad cocaine addiction. Um, Like I said, she was known in the area to frequent truck stops along with her pimp also known as her boyfriend Donald. Around 2 a.m., a truck driver and a possible John of Marcia's says that he had asked Marcia to knock on his door to wake him up so that he could take off for his delivery. So, in other words, she was like his alarm clock. She was going to give him a 2 a.m. wake-up call. That makes sense. So, he said that she knocked on his door, woke him up, and then took off, and he never saw her again. Around 3 a.m., a friend of hers, who's also a prostitute... Um, said that she saw Marcia getting into a blue semi-truck in the parking lot. This was believed to be the last time that anyone saw Marcia alive. Just two two and a half hours later, her body was found off of Highway 71 in Ohio, about a mile from the Union 76 truck stop that she was known to frequent. Poor Marcia was found alive on the side of the road by State Trooper Kevin Tilber. I'm sorry, Tilter. Kevin Tilter was out doing his regular patrols when he came across Marcia on the side of the road. She was beaten so severely on her head and her neck that the trooper was not even sure if she was still alive. Trooper Tilter did try to perform mouth-to-mouth CPR to try to make sure that she was able to make it to the hospital. Um, Calling the local EMS, he rushed to get her to the hospital as quickly as possible. Sadly, she remained in a coma for a few days before eventually passing away due to all the trauma that she suffered to her head. Unlike, um, unlike a lot of the victims in today's story, Marcia was actually very close to her family. She grew up in a very loving family. She was very close to her daughter and her brothers and her mom. Her family was so grief-stricken over the loss that they wanted her life to count for something, so they wound up donating all of her organs And according to what I saw in my research she wound up saving four other people's lives. That's awesome. She was like uh, sadly she was the only one I found that had a really close connection to family. On July 20th 1986 a truck driver had stopped at a closed rest area again off of highway 71 in Ohio. He just wanted to stop and have a quick bathroom break. As he was walking to the restroom Behind a three-foot barricade, he came across the body of a young female woman. This woman was only dressed in a black tank top as she was discarded along the side of the road. The young woman would later be identified as 23-year-old Shirley Dean Taylor. Now, Shirley was also a known prostitute to frequent the Ohio truck stops. The only lead that the police could find in this case was that other prostitutes and friends of Shirley's who frequented the Town truck stop called the Union 76, again the same truck stop, <coughs> said that Shirley was being solicited by someone over the CB radio, someone calling themselves Dr. No. The prostitutes told the police that the way he was talking over the CB radio was super creepy and that they had known that Shirley had been with this John a few times in the past and that he'd had a real reputation of being rough and mean. Our next victim, who actually was the youngest victim of Dr. No, was discovered in December of 1986. This was 18-year-old April Barnett. She also was a prostitute who was known to frequent the same truck stop, the Union 76 truck stop, the same one that Marcia Matthews was frequenting. You kind of stay away from that truck stop. I know, I know. April was a young woman who would often prostitute out of the Austin Town truck stop with her pimp again, aka Austin, who was also her boyfriend. His name was Austin Pickens and he tended to be there with her every, every single time she was out there prostituting. So on this particular night, a truck driver had stopped along the highway when he discovered April's young body alongside the highway. Sadly, her body was actually frozen likely due to the current weather conditions up in the Ohio Valley. Unlike the other women, April's body was not beaten. However, she was strangled, and she too was found only partially clothed, with some of her clothing and jewelry missing. So at this point in the story, what we're starting to see is that every single victim has got some part of their clothing or jewelry missing. So I'm thinking that Dr. No is taking him as some kind of trophy. Definitely a souvenir. <coughs> Another important thing to point out at this point in the story that I kind of mentioned earlier is that we have to remember that these cases all took place back in the late 1980s to 1990 when DNA was just at the infancy. It was just starting to become a big thing. Um, Another thing was that all of these murders took place in different counties and some of them took place in different states. Back then, the police departments didn't really share information freely with each other or have a, ma- a massive database to pull from to try to compare the cases. So that's why I think that this killer, Dr. No, was able to get away so for so long with what he was doing, because there really was no way to try to link these cases together. Yeah, back then they didn't have any clue <coughs> what they were doing. No. Now a few days later, this time we're in Illinois, but again off of Highway 70. So the two highways that seem to be consistent in this is Highway 70 And highway 71 and if you guys look at a map highway 70 and 71 actually cross in Ohio so they and I actually have a map that I'm gonna be putting up on Instagram that shows you the locations where all these bodies were located so this time we're in Illinois off of highway 70 where another prostitute was found off the side of the highway her name was Jill Allen and she was only 28 years old Now, her death was also linked to Dr. No because of the way that she was found. Just like all the other women, she had been beaten severely in her head, strangled, and left off on the side of the highway. Also, she too was found partially nude. They actually were never able to find her shoes, her bra, or her underwear. (coughs) He always seems to keep like half their clothing. So like the other victims, they realized that the killer Dr. No was starting to keep trophies in all of his killings. They also linked her death with the other cases because Highway 70 runs into Ohio as well as the similarities between the other women being prostitutes. It was just too much of a coincidence. (coughs) Excuse me, guys. A little lingering cough. A little bit. I gotta keep taking sips every once in a while. So, our next victim was found March of 1987. And this one's kind of interesting. What number would this be? Number oh, I think three? we're at five now? Five Five, now. yeah. So, this lady's name was Anna Marie Patterson. Now, Anna Marie was actually married, <laughs> believe it or not, and she was a prostitute. So, Anne had actually gone missing back in February after her husband, who was also her pimp, dropped her off at a truck stop. Again, it was the same truck stop as all the other women, (coughs) the Union 76 truck stop in Ohio. Now, what's a little bit different about her story is that a week prior to her disappearance, she actually had been arrested by the police and brought down to the police station. She was arrested for solicitation of prostitution. During her interview with the police, they were asking her if she had experienced any strange or scary or unusual Johns lately because... They were starting to see the pattern of these women's bodies that they were finding, and they all seemed to be coming from around the same truck stop. And do they know somebody by the name of Doctor No? Yes, and she had admitted that there was one John that really scared her that she saw regularly, and his name was Doctor No. She explained that she would get on the CB, or the, I'm sorry, that he would get on the CB when he was in the area and call out the particular girls that he frequented by their names. Most of the girls who worked the truck stops were so freaked out by Dr. No that they would not even answer him on the CB radio. But on those nights when she really needed money badly, she would go see him. And one one week later she found herself missing and they found her body in March of 1987. Now. What's interesting about this one is he kept her body for almost a month. And where was her husband pinned back? (coughs) Good question. But what's even more interesting is when they did find her body, even though she'd been gone for a month, the coroner said that he thought she passed away probably 48 hours after she went missing, yet her body was in super good condition, and do you know why? He must have pulled a reefer. He had a reefer. That's the only thing they could figure out because... Her body was in pristine condition, so they figured it had to have been kept in a refrigerated trailer. So now they're thinking, mm, we probably got a trucker here. So she, just like the other women, had been beaten, strangled, and left partially nude. And she was left in a sleeping bag underneath an overpass off of Highway 71. Now, on August 10th, 1987, we have another victim, Paula Beverly Davis, who was only 21 years old. Paula was found in the woods in Inglewood, Ohio. Now Paula's body was found in a very grassy area. Her underwear and pants were pulled down to her ankles, and her top and her bra were missing. The killer did leave behind her jewelry. Now Paula's body was sadly Paula's bad body sadly was not identified for over ten years, even though the coroner and the police had taken several photos of multiple tattoos that Paula had all over her body. It wasn't until 10 years later when a family member was actually on the website of national missing persons and unidentified subjects that a family member finally recognized the tattoos and were able to finally identify Paula's body. So that's two victims that one was 38 years and then poor Paula didn't get identified for 10 years. That's so sad. The other thing about Paula that was a little different than the other people is she was found in a grassy area, and there was actually tire tracks. So, somehow, he got his semi-truck back there because it looked like, according to the tire tracks, it looked like he pulled up and literally just dumped her body out into the woods and then took off. So, it doesn't look like the crime actually took place there. It looked like he just pulled over into this wooded area, dumped her body, and took off. Hightailed it. But they were able to get... Yes, they were able to get some tire end prints. Now, on November 22nd, 1987, the body of La Monica Cole, who was age 90, 19, was found. This time, she was found in a truck stop in Pennsylvania, but she was linked to be one of Dr. No's victims because she herself was an Ohio native. She was also known to frequent the Union 76 truck stop and areas around there. No, people stay away from that truck stop. <laughs> I kind of wonder if it's still in existence, and if so, I don't want to go there. Just saying. Ugh. Yeah, no. Just like the other victims, she too died of blunt force trauma to her head and strangulation. She was also found partially nude, with some articles of her clothing and jewelry missing. But what was also really different about her case. As poor LaMonica was found with a scarf shoved down her throat. Asphyxiation. Oh, yeah. But unlike in the other cases of... suffocated. Yeah. But unlike in the other cases of women, this time they had a possible sighting of the killer. LaMonica's boyfriend, a.k.a. her pimp... Again, what is it with these women and their boyfriends being their pimps? I'm just saying. Ha. <sighs> Her boyfriend, who was also her pimp, boyfriend he was Pim. yeah he was twenty four year old Derek Mims. Now Derek told authorities that she had been picked up by some man in a dark blue Peterbilt semi truck with white stripes going down the side, and a reefer. And he was also hauling a refrigerated trailer. God, you took the words right out of my mouth. Yes, April nineteenth, nineteen ninety, another young woman was found near Columbo, Columbus, Ohio pilot truck stop near a dumpster by an employee. Again, this poor girl also had been beaten and strangled. All of her clothing was missing except for her underwear, which was what he had left behind. The coroner also said that due to the condition of her body and the fact that she recently had had sex, he suspected that she too was a prostitute. But sadly, this Jane Doe would also remain a Jane Doe for over 28 years until her DNA was submitted to the Jane Doe database. So in 2018, they finally got a familiar DNA hit and were able to identify her. And it comes to find out her name was Patricia Anita Corley. She was a mother who, at the time of her death, was the mother of a two-year-old toddler, and she was also a veteran of the military. That's sad. They do not know if she was a prostitute, so that one was sad. And where did that one happen at? That one actually happened, um, I just said it, Columbus, Ohio, at a pilot truck stop. So it wasn't the Union 76 it wasn't truck stop. But he could have picked her up from there. We don't know. Finally, in late 2019, the FBI were finally able to get a hit on the Dr. No DNA, and it was linked to a 49 year old long haul truck driver whose name was Samuel the III. Now, Samuel Leg III was previously arrested in 1997 for the unknown rape of a 17-year-old girl. Now, according to what I found out, this girl had just gotten into a fight with her boyfriend and he had left around an Ohio truck stop. Being scared and not knowing what to do, she started going up to truck drivers to see if she could possibly get a ride home because she was unfamiliar where she was at. That's when she stumbled across Samuel Leg III. Samuel, at that point, raped her. Unfortunately, the charges against Samuel were dropped in this case because the young girl refused to testify, which sadly happens a lot when they're young. Because they're so scared. Yep. But the DNA of Samuel was able to be linked to the murders of four four of the prostitutes that we told you about, along with several rapes. So they weren't able to link his DNA to all of the prostitutes, however they think, due to where he was driving at and his route and the fact that they were all so similar that he likely is the one that killed all eight but they were only able to link his DNA to four. So in August of 2020, a grand jury was convened to go over the evidence and he was charged with aggravated murder, murder on two different women, assault and rape. However, when they were preparing to go to trial, Samuel was found to be unfit to serve for trial due to his mental illness according to the prosecutors they say that Samuel has a very long history of mental illness so as of right now he is currently being held in a state mental health hospital until they feel that he is able to stand trial so he may live the rest of his life in a mental hospital and not actually ever go to trial for these poor 8 women who lost their lives that's not fair I know it's very sad so, as I stated earlier, we will put all the photos and information up on our Instagram highlight reel. Um, I'll put lots of photos. I did put a few up on our Facebook page tonight just to give you a little teaser, but I'll put the rest of them up on our Instagram profile so that you guys can see all the photos pertaining to this case and also a couple news articles that I came across too. And, I don't know what case I'm going to be working on next week, but we'll let you know. But we will work on that bonus episode that we were talking to you about earlier, where Larry's going to talk to us about how in the world he came across a dead body. And I can guess what next week's episode is going to be about. What? Murder. (gasps) Probably. (laughs) Probably. Anyway, we just want to remind you guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. As you know, Larry and I are team truckers, and we're just doing this as a side gig, as a hobby, because we love true crime, and we've been getting a lot of positive response. We really appreciate it. Please be sure, wherever you listen to this podcast, that you hit the follow button so you can be notified every time we put out a new podcast. And please be sure to like, share, and follow with all your friends, because it really helps us with our ratings follow and share yes and if you have time please give us a five-star rating on spotify it really helps boost our ratings and we really would appreciate it so if you have a few moments out of your day if you are on itunes or if you are on spotify if you can give us a five-star rating we would truly appreciate it and as larry always says at the end of every one of our podcasts keep your eyes on the road and your ears on us Have you ever been interested about what all it takes to be a truck driver out here, delivering the goods all across America? Or more importantly, what is it like being a team trucker out here with your significant other 24 hours a day in a small confined space, working together, eating together, sleeping together, you name it. If you've ever been curious about the trucking industry, please listen to Larry and I's other podcast, Married to the Road. Again, that's married, the number two, the road. Please be sure to give it a listen today and don't forget to hit that follow button. Thank you so much, my true crime roadies for giving our podcast a listen. We really appreciate you listening to our Trucking True Crime podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to visit our Instagram page or our TikTok page, also Trekking True Crime Podcast. And don't forget that you can visit our Facebook page as well. Again, Trekking True Crime Podcast. Be sure to like, share, and follow, and be sure to share out our podcast to all your friends. We'll be back here next week with another great episode. Thank you so much, my true crime roadies. Be safe out there.